0: Thanks for being here today and we're we're picking up in Colossians where we left off in chapter 2 and he kind of jumps right into it but I think this morning that Matt you're leaving Oh, you're just getting more coffee. Uh I I said in the Facebook post it's like there's a there's a difference between the letter that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth And the letter that he wrote to the church at Colossa, which is our book of Colossians, uh, there are two different issues going on. And I said to Matt, uh, I said, if you had to like hang out in one of the two churches, Corinth or Colossa, which one would you choose? And he's like, immediately said, Corinth. (laughs) He's like, now that doesn't mean anything to you, maybe at this point. Uh, But to me, it's a big deal because Corinth was like, hey, we can do whatever we want type church. And he's like, there'd be a lot of ministry opportunities there. (laughs) And then Colossa, on the other hand, they were dealing with people that were coming in and putting Jewish tradition on them, philosophy on them, and they were becoming legalistic. So you've got two totally different, church situations i I say this i kind of grew up in the Colossa church where i was taught how to do things and you do it just like this and you get up early in the morning and you ask for forgiveness and you do all these things which is probably the way that most of you that were brought up in religious homes were brought up the same way and then, you know, you come to the understanding the uh, an enlightenment of grace, same Bible, same, but just a totally different perspective. And when we started this, we kind of said, hey, let's just teach this different perspective and let the Spirit do the thing. I'm not going to be responsible for everybody's garbage out there and how they behave. And man, it went totally Corinth when we started. <laughs> I mean, everybody's like, yeah, we can just do whatever we want. And then they realize, well, that doesn't really work. So at some point, there there becomes a, a balance, a balance and an understanding. And I said, it comes down to the same thing every time. You either choose to walk by the Spirit or you choose to walk by your selfish flesh. That's what it comes down to. I cannot make your choices for you. You're making your own choices. I'm not responsible for what you do or decide, and I'm not responsible for pushing you into a certain direction. That's the Spirit's responsibility. I'm free. Uh, and I don't know if there's a lot of ministers, pastors that understand that. But let me let me break it down for you in Colossians chapter two, starting in verse twelve. It says He starts off with baptism. When you were buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith and the working of God, who raised him from the dead. Uh, When he talks about baptism, it's illustrated of what resurrection is. It's indicating the end of something old and raising again, and now you've got something new. If there's any one thing that you have to understand about the Scripture, there is an old covenant, and there is a new covenant. The old covenant was learning how to do everything yourself in your own discipline, even being a good Christian, doing it in your own strength. That I'm trained and taught to do it this way. And Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit said... you've proven you can't do that. So then Jesus comes, he does it perfectly here on earth. He's the perfect sacrifice, he dies, his blood is poured out, forgiveness of sin for all, past, present, future sins, all your sins are taken care of. He's buried, he rose again, he sends the Spirit, now the new covenant, there's a new covenant. So when you're buried with him in baptism, you're, you're putting your old life to death of trying to do it in your own strength. And then when you're raised with Him in the newness of life, that literally means now there's a new way that we're doing things and it's not me who's who's doing it, but there's this spirit that's living inside of me that's doing it for me. Man, I wish I could explain what that looks like. I. Because obviously I'm a planner and I do things and it takes work and it takes some sort of discipline. But I'm dependent now upon the Holy Spirit doing all that through me. I, I am. Uh, so this whole baptism thing, he, he's literally saying, uh, what, it, what baptism means in the Bible, it means to identify with. I identify with Jesus. This is kind of a stretch, but Paul talks about it really in in the letter to the Corinth. But he's like, uh, the Jewish nation was baptized when they escaped out of Egypt. Remember and God parted the Red Sea and they went through the Red Sea? That that was kind of a baptism for them, the Jewish nation, to say we identify with Moses as our leader. Then John the Baptist came before Jesus, and he was baptizing people, and that was for them to identify with John the Baptist. Not Jesus, because Jesus hadn't come into the picture yet. But we identify with John saying that there's a Savior, there's a Messiah that's coming. And we believe in you. And so then, once Jesus came, he died, he was crucified, they got baptized again in the name of Jesus. That I identify with Jesus. So literally, when Jesus died and rose again, I did the same thing when I was eight years old. I died with Jesus, and I was raised again with Jesus. Did I have a clue what that meant? No. I just know that's what I was supposed to do. And every day, I'm figuring that thing out more and more. When he died, I died with him. When he was buried, I was buried with him. When he arose again, I rose with him. I'm a new creation. I'm holy, I'm righteous, I'm redeemed. I believe that with all my heart and mind. If if I could get you to do the same thing, I would. To believe it, to understand it. Because it greatly impacts what you do. Verse 13 it says, And when you were dead in trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh... He made you alive with him and forgave us all of our trespasses. Paul's literally now referring to the prior life before your faith and before your baptism when we lived without the control and the empowerment of a living God inside of us. When it was all based upon our own selfish flesh. 14, he says, he erased the certificate of debt that would mean that he forgave you of all your sins. Do I, I'll say this again. He died 2,000 years ago. You weren't born, but he died for all your sins 2,000 years ago. Let this soak in for a second. He died before you walked on the face of the earth. He didn't die just for the sins you've already done. He died for all the sins that you're doing and that you're going to do. He died one time. One time. For all your sins. It's taken care of. Oh, and that's when Corinth goes, oh, well, then we're free to do whatever we want because Jesus is already, like, taken care of it. Yeah, you can say that, but that's not going to get you very far. Yeah, and it's true. You can do that. You can do that. I'm telling you, you're free but you're probably not going to enjoy it. And that's what Paul was saying. He says, He erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us and has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and disgraced them publicly. He triumphed over them in him. Satan and his enemies thought that literally victory was theirs. But Jesus turned the tables on them. At that point that he died, new life had come, all sin had been forgiven, and he He literally canceled, get this, he canceled the written code. The written code. That would be the law. That would be what God gave Moses. He canceled that. I know you grew up learning the Ten Commandments and everything else, and you got to do this and that and this and that. But because of what he did, this written code, now Jesus has died, it's been nailed to the cross, it's been perfected by him, and it's a done deal. It's an old covenant. Since people cannot keep the law, it's like this bill of indebtedness. And it just said, he says right here, Christ took care of your indebtedness. What you couldn't do in fulfilling that law... He did for you. Now you're sitting there going, Well, if that's the case, if we can't do the law Well you can't but there's a holy living of God inside of you, a spirit that's living inside of you that can do it in you. He can't he can cause you to recover from whatever it is you're dealing with. He can. I believe it. I've seen it. Watched it. So, all these people that are unable to pay their debt, criminals and everything else, he he's literally dealt with it and accomplished it. You see that whole written code is a form of legalism that we can't that we can't fulfill but he's done it he's fulfilled its demand in his life and my life is in him right now verse 16 it says therefore Don't let anyone judge you in regard to food and drink or in the matter of a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. (laughs) Uh, So now he's getting to what the issue is at Colossa, and it's, it's very similar to the same thing that's happening in 2022. There's people that know that you're a member of the body of Christ, And they want to judge you based upon the choices that you've made. Right? You get it. You walk in here and you see people and you automatically think and man I hope that's watered that whole process is watered down in here quite a bit. That literally when you walk in here you can see people for their true identity for who they are in Christ rather than what they do. Because you know we all do some pretty wicked stuff. The fact that I can hang out with you, knowing what your behavior is, you know what my behavior is, and we see each other as holy and righteous, just changes the whole relationship. When it says, therefore don't let anyone judge you, that's basically saying, don't let anyone determine your value for you. Don't let anyone determine your value. Your value has already been determined and it's been determined by Jesus Christ. You are perfect. If He died for all sins, He made you perfect. Yeah, I still sin. Yeah, I still blow it. But that's not who I am. My identity says... I'm holy. And if I can if I can walk in that every day and know that truth every day, it greatly impacts what I do from this day on. Greatly impacts what I do. Greatly impacts how I teach you. What I say to you when I meet with you, when I just hang out, have a lunch. But in Colossae, they're dealing with this this Jewish nature of philosophy and it just dominated the whole the whole ideas and concepts that this church was living in their religion was Tied to a calendar, doing these festivals, the way that they ate things, the way the certain meats that they ate. Don't let anyone determine their, their value is what Paul's saying. Christ alone has already determined your value, and it's not based upon what everybody says that you need to do or should do, even if it is religious in its intent. It says, verse 17, these are a shadow of what was to come. But the true substance is Christ. That's it. That was all part of the old covenant. A shadow is less significant than the object which causes it, right? I mean, you can go outside and stand in the sun and you can see your shadow and it's like, the shadow is insignificant. What's important is the person standing there. Well, Jesus Christ is the person standing there in the new covenant. The old covenant was just a shadow of the things that were to come, Paul's saying. Wasn't the real thing? Now, now we've got the real thing. It's here. It's present. No one, no one prefers the shadow over the true substance. So now he's saying to the church at Colossae, "You're going back to the shadow. You're going back to the shadow and to the old things." When I'm telling you, it's right here. It's good. Verse eighteen it says, "Let no one condemn you by delighting in ascetic practices." And the worship of angels, claiming access to a visionary realm. Such people are inflated by empty notions of their unspiritual mind. He literally says it right here. He's like literally saying, don't let anybody disqualify you. Based upon what you're doing or what you're not doing. Warren Wiersbe, I love reading... Wiersbe, but he says, The contestant does not cease to be a citizen of the land, but he forfeits the honor of winning a prize. When he's talking about ascetic practices, he's really talking about the legalism of the law. It's like ascetic means to, to practice strict denial, uh, self-denial as a measure of personal and especially in spiritual maturity. You can see this that uh, it takes place, uh, monks do it, uh, people do it in their diets, uh, different things that they do, that they're very legalistic about this to to bring them to a higher level of spirituality. And that's really what the church at Colossus is like having to deal with. It's like, you guys really think this makes you more spiritual? Do you think showing up at Pinhead's on Sunday morning makes you more spiritual? Really? Let me tell you something that doesn't. Because you're as spiritual as you're going to get. If there, if you walk in here with the Holy Living God inside of you, what are you going to get from here? Seriously. It doesn't get any better than where you're sitting right now and who you are. If you think it's about doing things and performing and that makes you a better person, it's what Paul's saying. It's like... You're missing it. Verse 19, he says, He doesn't hold on to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and held together by its ligaments and tendons, grows with the growth from God. I know you are sitting there, well, what did he just say there? He's, he's literally using the head as a metaphor to show Christ's superiority over the law and human traditions. There's nothing more important than Christ alone. The Christian, you, the believer, we're to be energized and spiritualized by Christ being the head of us. It's not Rusty. It's not anybody up here. It's Christ. That's it. That's where your genuine spiritual growth will take place. In Colossa, he's saying don't allow people to place a yoke or a restriction on you by saying you have to do this. If you want to be more spiritual, you'll do this. In Corinth, they're saying, hey, we're free. We can do whatever we want. Right? In Christ, just go nuts. You can. You can. But again, are you fulfilling your flesh or are you walking by the spirit Uh, I I think today in our culture legalism is not necessarily about food restrictions or anything like that it probably is more in about man was reading something this week about evangelism is dying in the church It needs to die in the church. Because the evangelism that we were talking about in the church is going out and getting people to say a prayer and getting them to come to church and raise their hand and counting our numbers, and it was a contract. It was almost like a celebration. Now now, now listen to me. That's what I was taught, and that was what I was trained to do, and there was a high-pressure sales job, is what it was. How many kids can you get saved this week? True evangelism is us understanding what Christ has done in us, and going out into a dark world and being the light. That's what true evangelism is. I'll say this. I don't care what numbers of salvation comes through this ministry right here because it's not about a number. I care about the people that come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Maybe through a crisis. Maybe through just coming in here and sitting every Sunday morning and hearing the Word of God. I don't know. But I'm not going to march you up here and count you and say, look what we did That's not evangelism. Evangelism is you guys just going out and being the light. Our our church culture judges us based upon where we attend, what we wear, what traditions we practice, what translation we use, what we sing, what style we sing, all those things that we have to deal with as believers. And it's like, come on. It's got to be bigger than that i i, I really believe that Levner does everything that we can to break that down i'm not boasting i'm not bragging i'm not saying we're better i'm just saying i've played the game and i don't want to play the game anymore i said to matt who's one of my former students i'm not going to say how many years ago matt but uh we used to do camp and we used to do the 20 pages of programming and. Everything else, and I'm like, Matt, you don't remember one thing I taught you at camp so many years ago. But Matt, he walks in here because of the relationship. It's about the relationship. Most of you are not even going to remember what I taught next Sunday, this Sunday. What I taught this Sunday, you're not going to remember it next Sunday. But you're going to remember where you sat, who talked to you, who hung out with you. And it's about this community. It's not about putting on a show here. It's really not. There, there's two extreme sides. You can go out and do the Corinth thing. Do your thing, live it up, you're free. Or you can do the Colossus thing. Be restricted and legalism and everything else. And I think you're totally missing out on what Jesus intended. He, he, You guys, it, it doesn't get any better when you are walking by the Spirit. If you walk by your flesh, you're going to deal with the consequences of the flesh. But if you walk by the Spirit, even when you get into difficult situations... Situations that you have no way of understanding how to get out of. You're going to be better off. I promise you. And the other thing is. You, you, you live either way. The colossal way or the Corinth way. You also bring consequences into this community. <laughs> I'm just saying it. It's like. I'm taking 50-some-odd people to camp in a couple weeks and everybody's lifestyle and the choices that they make are all going to come together and we're going to hang out for a week and you telling me that it doesn't impact the whole group? The choices you make? The choices you make today are not going to affect me two weeks from now? I guarantee it is. So the choices we even make individually impacts and affects this community there's consequences for those there's reactions and actions to those i understand it and not only not only that we get tagged we get tagged in our community for your actions and beliefs the good news is uh, i think we have a pretty good tag but then on the other hand we don't do I care? Absolutely not. I don't care what the community tags us as. I care about you and teaching and guiding and living with you in the midst of the joys, the crisis, the grief, the the experiences, the memories. <laughs> If you hang out with me, you get tagged with, Oh, you go to that church at the bar. I take I take on very few battles anymore about this type of judgment. I really do. It doesn't matter to me. And as a shepherd, there's plenty of shepherds in here of this flock. I I'm I'm used to protecting the flock, but let me tell you, Christ is the sender. The more I trust Christ, the less I have to protect. Verse 20 says, if you died with Christ to the elements of this world, why do you live, live as if you still belong to the world? Why do you submit to regulations? Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. Those were all the slogans of the false teachers that they were dealing with at the time. Again, the problem at Colossa was that people were willing to embrace this system. That they were listening to the false teachers, and it was hindering their spiritual growth when they thought that they were spiritually growing. Verse 22, it says, All these regulations refer to what is destined to perish by being used up. They are human commands and doctrines. Although these have a reputation for wisdom... By promoting self-made religion, false humility, and severe treatment of the body, they are not of any value in curbing self-indulgence. The, so the people that practice this strong spiritual discipline, they, they literally have a reputation for spirituality, but the product doesn't live up to the promotion. you can broadcast what you're all about but unless the fruit is seen as fruit of the spirit rather than of yourself you're spinning your wheels 1 Corinthians 10:23 says where Paul he's like so did, he he cited this slogan from uh, the libertine party in Corinth he's like all things are lawful he says all things are lawful and they realize their Christian freedoms, he's like, but not all things are profitable. Now uh, you you got the church at Colossa that's dealing with legalism and religion and forms of spirituality, but now at Corinth, they they've kind of gone off the rails in the other direction. And he's like saying, You guys are free to do all this thing, all things are lawful, but then he comes back and says, but not all things are profitable. That's just what we we're saying. It's like you, you, You're free to do this, but uh, it's probably not going to benefit you. He agreed with their truthfulness of their position, but he, he also comes along and he modifies it. He's like, yeah, you can do that. But just know, if you do, there's probably going to be consequences that come along with that as well. Paul's saying that you're free to practice this legalism as well. You you church at Colossa, you can you can do these things, you can do the laws, you can do all that, but again, it's not going to get you anywhere. I'm saying to you here today the power of Christ, the power of the Spirit, the power of God in the believer does more than merely restrain the desires of the flesh. Because a lot of times that's what just what we ask for. But it does more than restrain these desires. It puts new desires in you. You're a new creation. Learn that you're made holy. Learn that you're made perfect. And those desires Desires that you're dealing with, Lord, Lord, help me with the, these desires. I think He removes those desires and puts new desires in you. I believe that He doesn't need a law on the outside to control appetites and the ways of life, the ways of living, because He has life on the inside. You figure out what's on the inside of you and life changes greatly. Life changes greatly. He's saying this to the church at Colossae. Just believe the truth. This is the truth. Father, I pray today (laughs) that your word... would come alive. It's not my responsibility to make it come alive. It's yours. And so I pray that you would do that in the hearts and the lives of those that are sitting in front of me, those that are listening throughout the week, uh, that you would do that. I trust you with myself, with my family, and my friends, that you would do that. That we can just know you more, and choose to walk by your Spirit. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.